You are listening to Wilhelm, a film-centric podcast for film lovers of all kinds. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Wilhelm. I am your host, Ben Beck. And on this episode, we are talking about films that use music in the greatest of ways. Uh, That's right. My guest and I this week, we're going to talk and reveal our top five films that we feel have some of the most amazing soundtracks, Uh, which brings me to this week's special guest. He is the host of the long running interview program, Cooper Talk. Uh, Welcome to Wilhelm, Wilhelm, Steve Cooper. Hey, what's up, man? How you doing? Thanks for having me on. Yeah, man, I'm excited. Um, you know, we've been uh, correspondents on Facebook uh, for a little while. I think we we met in a uh, a, a podcasting group on no, Facebook. I, 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 just, I just became friends with you because I think we had a bunch of mutual friends. Yeah, and I sat there and then I saw you doing podcasting and we had talked earlier about the DB Sweeney because you always want to help out other fellow fellow podcasters. You know, there's some people that don't. You know, they're like, oh, we don't, you know, we, we, we don't share our guests. For me, as long as I have a guest first, I don't care. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's how it was with, you mentioned D.B. Sweeney. That's how it was for that. You, you hooked me up with an interview with D.B. Sweeney from, uh, on my other podcast, The Spotlight. I mean, and there's been, I mean, you mentioned it before we started recording. You have 800 plus episodes of Cooper Talk. You've had some really amazing guests over the years on your program and i mean there's there's quite a few that we've we've had on both of our programs but this was even before we knew each other um but it shows you the small world that it can be podcasting um you know so i am really excited to finally do like work on a project with you whether it's having you co-host here or uh you know or anything or other so i am i'm really excited to do this with you today Oh, it's good. I'm excited. I, I, I'm never really, I'm not a guest much. So I'm, I love being a guest because I know exactly what the host goes through. So it's perfect. And and you don't have to worry about at, at all the editing process and anything. It's usually like, oh, we're done. Okay. And we're, I'm good. <laughs> um, you know, talking about music, you know, music can make or break a movie. And when uh, you know, I when I reached out to people to figure out what episodes of Wilhelm they wanted to do, I was actually really excited to see that this was one of the episodes that you had chosen to come on. Because when you look at the caliber of guests that you have had on Cooper Talk, I mean, there's a high likelihood that some of the soundtracks that we're going to bring up, you've interviewed members of the bands on those soundtracks. There's a very high likely chance that that's going to happen. Well, it's funny because not only that, I've, I've also, for the, some of them I picked, I've interviewed the actors who have been in the movie. I'm not giving the stars, but, and that's what's cool. And with the soundtracks, you know, it makes it, it makes it so much more interesting because I'm such a huge music fan that mm. when you talk to some, when you, when, you know, when you talk about music and then you know you've interviewed someone in that band and you sometimes have a story behind it, you know, it's great. I mean, there's a few people made uh, honorable mention that, the soundtracks weren't good, but I had great relationships with two of their guests. So it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like you mentioned earlier, it's, uh, or we, you were, we were talking about this beforehand. One of the great things about the format of this particular podcast is, you know, how picks that people have made in previous episodes, everything's subjective. Uh, just because we pick them for our top five doesn't mean they're going to be in somebody else's top five. They could be ones that people hate. And it, now it's kind of like a, <clears throat> a, a double, subjectiveness because music is certainly just as subjective as films are and now we're combining both with this episode so i mean you could have a movie that you find great but the soundtrack is horrible which i find kind of weird i don't know why you would find that movie great if the soundtrack is awful but that's just me because i'm i'm also a huge music fan so but uh, let's jump into it. Let's, let's talk about our top fives. Uh, you know, we'll go five to one and then we'll, we'll bring up some honorable mentions if we have it. Uh, before we do that though, just a, uh, a quick 
uh, recap of the format. If you're if you're just listening to this podcast for the first time, neither Steve or myself have revealed or discussed any of the top five choices to each other beforehand as not to influence each other. Uh, so I don't know any of his top five. He doesn't know any of mine. Uh, also, fair warning, if we talk about the movies, there could be some possibility of spoilers. So you are aware uh, ahead of time before we go into that. So that said, let's dive into it. You're my guest this episode, sir. Uh, what film do you have as your number five for your top five? I'm going to be a pain in the ass because I have a tie of five. And then here's the reason. Welcome. Why. Uh, you're welcome to. <laughs> now, we talked, you know, we said soundtracks. Well, these two movies have very good soundtracks. But for me, if it's the whole experience of the movie, they both have great songs that aren't on the official soundtrack so my two movies tied for five would be goodfellas okay and fast times at richmond high okay yeah I, fast times is a great is a great one i'm not as familiar with goodfellas but fast times i agree well see fast times are the only reason it's not up higher is because moving in stereo american girl you know we got the beat cashmere they're not even on the soundtrack itself and with goodfellas um I'm a monkey. Um, Give me shelter by the stones. Uh, Atlantis by Donovan. They're not on the actual soundtrack. So where they both have great soundtracks, if those both those groups of songs were on the actual soundtrack, it would have been higher. So they're basically my tie for fit. Okay. Well, I mean, even though it's not necessarily part of the physical album itself i still count it as part of a soundtrack i mean if it's in the movie it's part of the soundtrack of the film just if it's not officially released so i mean it might be a little bit of a cheat because like you said they're not on the album but they're in the movie i i think that still totally counts well here's something just a quick a quick you know because you love movies and you love music and you love fast times of rich one eye uh, one of the most interesting things about that movie is when they play uh cashmere when he's driving led zeppelin song and uh Damone had said to Ratner, he said, you know, if you want to hook up, play side two of Led Zeppelin four. Well, Cashmere is off Led Zeppelin's physical graffiti album, but they couldn't get the musical rights to that other album. So they had to do Cashmere. Okay. All right. That's a cool little tidbit. Um, you know, we, we we talked to about like I just I'm just going to put this out there freely too. Uh, with the guests that you have had on your program, feel free to name drop at any point. Well, okay, well, that was uh, Robert Romanus. <laughs> yeah, there we go. <laughs> I had a feeling you were probably kind of holding back a little bit on that. Yeah, no, no. And I also had Amanda Weiss on, who was uh, the blonde who was also in Better Off Dead and uh, Friday the Thirteenth, and she was a sweetheart. She played Bradley's girlfriend. So it's always interesting, like, you know, if I sit there with a few beers and I put them on the TV and I see all these movies, I'm like, oh, my God, that person was on my show. Yeah, <laughs> it's always interesting because you actually know them. And now it's been years later because most of these people, you know, I interview a lot of 80s and retro people. A lot, it's, it's passed. But, you know, Robert Romanus had told me the story about the cashmere. And that's what happened. Yeah. No, feel free to name drop at any point, uh, especially because I feel like it's going to entice people to go to and listen to your show to hear all these interviews with all these cool people so yeah don't hold back name drop uh, as much as you want uh no those are great picks for number five uh and we're kind of in the same same time frame i guess sort of mine's a little bit earlier but as far as uh music generation wise my number five i'm going with the soundtrack to forrest gump from 1994 uh a two disc set that i and there's so much music included in that film that two discs actually wasn't enough that they actually ended up releasing another uh, additional part to the soundtrack later. I think it was like more music from Forrest Gump because they couldn't fit all the music from the movie onto two discs. So when you pack that much incredible music that spans a number of different generations, I mean, you're going everything from Hound Dog by Elvis Presley from like the 1950s all the way up to like Against the Wind, Bob Seger, which is an 80s song. So you have all this different great music that's spanning three or four different generations. And it, I don't think there's really a bad or unrecognizable song to anybody who loves music on, on the course of that album. Or in that movie. 
That is, you're right. I mean, that is a great soundtrack. And I, that's why I thought about that, because it's one of those things, as you say, you know, it's so daunting when you say do a top five. Yeah. You know, there's so many. But you're right. You know, and that's the thing. That's what makes the movie stand out, too. Where Forrest Gump was a great movie, great performances. But you're right. The soundtrack does scope his life. And that's what the movie's scoping is his life. So it is, um, yeah, it's one of those things that you sit there and you go, okay. And, and it's if you put the CD on, you can listen to the whole thing. Oh, yeah. I mean, and, you know, again, like you said, the scope of the life, like it really is the the soundtrack itself. The listing is initially a timeline of music. I mean, it goes from the 50s to the 80s and it, it progresses through. It doesn't skip around at all. It progresses through three decades of music, you know, and again, not a bad song in the bunch, in my opinion. So I, I there was no way I could do a top five and not put Forrest Gump. On my Very list. good choice. Very good choice. Thank you. Uh, moving on to number four for you. Now, this one is, is something that, you know, movie lovers will know this movie. And if you like Cameron Crowe, you'll know this movie. However, I, it's not something that people sit there and go, oh, yeah, Cameron Crowe, he's not synonymous for this. People know the other stuff. Oh, he wrote fast. He said, fast. he wrote fast. on to my eye. Jerry Maguire, stuff like that. But me, I've always been, since it came out, I've been a huge, huge fan of the Seattle sound. So number four, number four, and I had it written down when it came out. It came out in June of 92. It's the single soundtrack. I, I had a feeling that's where you were going when you mentioned Cameron Crowe. Because if you yeah. if you bring that down, I mean, you just I have to list up the groups. So, I mean, just from the story of Alice and Change, Pearl and Jim, uh, Chris Cornell, Paul Westerberg from The Replacements, who I love, and he's great. Soundgarden, Screaming Trees, Smashing Pumpkins. It's a who's who of '90s music, and it really encompasses the Seattle scene. Because you know, you know, growing I grew up in Philadelphia, I lived in L.A. and San Diego, so I I know the West Coast. But growing up, you're not really familiar with Seattle. That whole movie basically time fitted around the whole musical scene and just made a nice, nice atmosphere. So that's number four, which, as I said, a lot of people haven't seen that movie. A lot of people aren't really too familiar with that when they think of Cameron Crowe and they think singles. I think because Cameron Scott was in it and he's not, you know, as known as Cherry Maguire and Tom Cruise. So for me, that's number four. It's, I mean, it's a great choice, too. And you're right. I mean, you're talking like a time frame, early 90s. Like you said, the Seattle music scene. You mentioned so many bands from Soundgarden and the Pearl Jam. I mean, this these are bands that I still listen to to this day. So that's a soundtrack that's very easy to pop in and still enjoy. Because even being, what, almost 30 years old at this point, it's still it's still relevant, at least in music, because it's songs that I still listen to today. Oh yeah, I mean that's that's what makes that that's what makes it great, you know. But you can listen to the songs and you go, all right. And as I say, it's a who's who, and the, the talent, you know, those on that soundtrack is just amazing. And some of them are still turning out music, some aren't, but it doesn't make a difference. And it's just one of those things that it's a soundtrack that if you don't have it, you need to get it because it's just it just kicks ass. And I know they had a second volume come out because it seems. I have Amazon Music, and I have Amazon Music Unlimited. And the problem with that is sometimes you just want to hear the, the original album, but then they give you that, like, the bonus album or the live album. It's like, no, I don't want to hear this album live. I want to hear the soundtrack, just the 40 minutes it is, and it's perfect. So if you have Amazon Music, it's 44 minutes and 34 seconds of just great time, and they even slip in some Hendrix in there. Yeah, that's what I have too. I have Amazon Music Unlimited. That's what I used to listen to. I don't use Spotify or anything. I use, I use Amazon. Not a sponsor of the podcast, by the way. Um, it, correct me if I'm wrong too. I think is Singles the soundtrack because you would you you remember it a little bit better than I do. Is Singles the soundtrack that they either tried to get Nirvana or they got Nirvana for a song? I'm not sure. I'm looking right here on the tracking list. Nirvana is not in there. It may have just been to the point where I, I don't know if Nirvana was as big yet. I don't know if there's licensing problems. It always is weird with, with music and movies and how it works out. You know, when you sit mm -hmm. there and, you know, there is everyone on this. I mean, you know, Chris Cornell, stuff like that. So you think that, you know, Kobe may have gone along, but maybe sometimes maybe he just didn't like, you know, like the idea of the movie. Maybe he didn't want to do it. Maybe it was, it was too... He was too hip for it, but they probably, I'm guessing they probably tried to get him. They probably gave him a no, or it may just been licensing. That's what I think. I, cause I think I remember a story from, from somewhere about them approaching Nirvana for a song for the film or for the soundtrack. And somehow for some reason it didn't come up most likely licensing, as you mentioned. 
So that's a good, that's another good choice though. I'm, I'm already, I can't wait to see. I mean, you're starting off with some good albums, so I'm looking forward as we get the closer to one. Uh, my number four, however, is I'm going with something a little bit more recent, 2014, and I'm going with, uh, the soundtrack to guardians of the galaxy, guardians of the galaxy. Awesome mix or volume one. Awesome mix. Um, to me, this kind of stands apart as, I mean, it's a, it's a phenomenal soundtrack. You have everything from, you know, blue suede, David Bowie, the Jackson five, runaways rupert holmes i mean there's so many great songs on this album but to me i mean we're talking about when we talk about soundtracks we're talking about not just the albums themselves but the actual music in the film itself guardians to me was a little bit of a game changer because the music itself wasn't just a background note that added to the film with guardians the music was a character in the movie it you know, it was part of the story. It wasn't just background or a or something to help with an emotional element of the movie. It was part of the story. And to me, that's a little bit of a game changer. And, uh, you know, you talk about these great soundtracks you mentioned with singles about how, you know, it's an album you should own. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 1 is an album that I remember buying on CD. I bought it on digital. I own it on vinyl. It's one that I will just break out every once in a while and listen to it because I just, it's, it's comfortable music to me. Well, I got to tell you, unfortunately that's number three for me. Oh, all so, right. <laughs> and, and it's funny you brought that up because I was sitting there and I hadn't thought about it. And I remember when I first got Guardians of the Galaxy, I had bought a tablet. It came out when it came out in 2014. I was still living in LA. Mm -hmm. I got a tablet and, um, whatever it it was a free download it was let's say you could download it so i downloaded it to my tablet and then went to my phone because it was uh with, with google or whatever samsung or whatever i have and i used to take walks i lived in burbank and when that first came out every day i took my walk i listened to that just because you're right it's it's just such a diverse i mean you know first of all anything with spirit in the sky yeah, great. I mean, it's, yeah. you, you know, that's one of those things when you drive, as soon as you hear it, you turn it up a little bit because it has that, that, uh, just that catchy, you know, it was, it was only hit, but he's never had to work again. So that worked out. And, um, <laughs> but yeah, and then as you said with Bowie, you know, Moon Age Daydream, you know, it's a great song. And it's just everything from the, the Pina Colada song. I mean, you know, if you look at the actual soundtracks, it goes from the Pina, Pina Colada song. To Cherry, I mean, but to uh, before that's Cherry Bomb by the Runaways. Yeah, you know, if you ever said to someone, "Oh yeah, Rupert Holmes and uh, the Runaways," people would be like, "What the hell are you talking about?" <laughs> but for this, you're it all meshes and it does add to the movies. And I know you're a big sci-fi guy. I'm personally not, but I did go see that movie. Me and my wife saw it in the theater, and once again, it captivated you. And the music was just you're right, brought on a character and a dimension to the movie. And so that's when I when I got that con that. Uh, soundtrack i was so excited I, I kept listening to it and i forgot all about it until you contacted me about doing this and i was like what what soundtracks and i went oh my god so now in the next two weeks i will listen to it again because i probably have not listened to it since 2015 maybe mm -hmm. and, and the thing is when you then when i looked at the you know doing my research i looked at the the song list and i go oh my god this is like a who's who it's just so great I'll, I'll give you a funny story, too, about, uh, you know, you mentioned um, Escape, which is the Pina Colada song. Uh, I, I had heard that song, obviously, so many times before Guardians of the Galaxy. But, you know, to me, like, there's those songs that you hear and, you know, you hear the lyrics and you sing the lyrics, but you don't really think about the lyrics. And the Pina Colada song was one of those songs that I had, like... I had heard the Pina Colada song in passing in other movies and, and other and, and such in the past. But then I started, I listened to the Guardians of the Galaxy soundtrack and I listened to it so many times that I pretty much knew all the lyrics to every song on the soundtrack. And then it got to a point where it clicked with me that when I was listening to Escape one time, I'm listening to the lyrics. I'm like, wait a minute, this is kind of messed up. Like this is literally a story about two people cheating on each other but finding each other while they're cheating on each other like there's something really 
Like, yeah, that's kind of strange. And it didn't click with me until Guardians of the Galaxy and that soundtrack, that that's really what that song is about. Right. And, you know, what's also what's funny about that soundtrack is the Cherry Bomb by the uh, Runaways. Well, I had interviewed Lita Ford and she was driving to a gig. She was very cool. And, you know, and she was really cool. But then I also uh, interviewed Sherry Curry, who was one of the Runaways. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, and, and you don't want to correct them. I went through a PR person and I, I've worked with him many times. And she kept, because my show is called Cooper Talk, she kept calling me Cooper. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to tell her that my first name's Steve. But it's uh, it was fascinating talking to her because you know she was in the she was in the the runaways and she also is a uh, she does sculptures with chainsaws which I don't think I've ever heard anybody do that and I I was like how did you get into it and it was just like I don't know I, I had time and I saw a tree and it was just so bizarre like that's the thing when you talk to some of these celebrities these stars yeah. they're just they're, they have these bizarre hobbies and it's just it cracks me up. That's awesome. Yeah, I've met Lita Ford. Um, oh, God, it's, it has to be gone on six or seven years ago uh, when I worked in uh, major metropolitan radio. Uh, I, I worked for uh, some of the listeners might not know it, but you being from Philadelphia, which is where I live now, I used to work for WMMR. Uh, you know, so I used to go to a lot of shows and I got to meet a lot of those people. And I did get to meet Lita Ford at that at that point. She was really cool. And I got to meet her. Very cool. Yeah, she was really awesome. So, oh, but that's cool that that was your number three because that took us right, right into number threes at that point. So, but that's awesome that we share that one. That's just it's it's such a great, great soundtrack. And to so to those who might not know, if you look at interviews um, with uh, with Peter Gunn or James Gunn, sorry, not Peter Gunn, uh, James Gunn about Guardians of the Galaxy, he had the soundtrack um done before the movie was even written because of the fact that the soundtrack was going to be such an integral part integral part of the of the story itself so which is unheard of that's like soundtrack is usually one of the final things that you do in post but he had to have the soundtrack done before the movie was even completed before the movie was even shot so that's cool though i love that you brought up spirit in the sky but that's funny. You just you love it, and it's funny because the replacements goes back to singles. Paul Westerberg's original band, they do a version of that of one of their albums. Yeah. Uh cool. So I guess since that was your number three, we can take it into my number three. Uh, I'm apologizing ahead of time to people who have listened to all the episodes of Wilhelm so far because this movie has already come up a couple times in previous episodes. Uh, but I'm going with, for my number three, I'm going with the soundtrack to uh, the Edgar Wright movie, Baby Driver. Uh, I don't know if you've seen this one before, Steve. I have, I have. Okay. Uh, this is like another two album soundtrack, but the movie itself, um, again, kind of another movie where the music, it's not part of the story, but it becomes a character in itself because the whole movie itself is done basically to the rhythm of the soundtrack, uh, which is one of the reasons why I love the movie. But you took it, you look at like um, Easy by the Commodores. You've got John Spencer Blues Explosion, Bell Bottoms, which kicks off the movie. Um, uh, Brighton Rock by Queen, which is a very, I think, very underrated and not, um, not heard as much as it should be song by Queen. Um, you know, to, you know, uh, Radar Love by Golden Earring. There's just so many great songs on this album that I remember when I saw Baby Driver in in theaters, not just being blown away by the movie, but it was one of those instances where when I got home, I was like, I need to get the soundtrack to this movie because that music was just phenomenal. Well, yeah, I mean, I, I, I saw the movie and I, I saw it whenever it came out, I saw it and... Um, yeah, that's the thing. You know, it's a matter of some directors just have an idea of what music to play into it. You know, we talked about Cameron Crowe. He was a rock and roll journalist. So he knew, you know, and that's the thing. These, and like I said earlier with Goodfellas, with Scorsese, you know, you remember certain things. Like I still remember from the movie when they find the dead bodies and the piano overlude from uh, Layla's playing. You remember that. And that's the thing. These, some of these directors, they just know because they're so talented, they know 
what's going to strike a nerve with someone. And it's sort of someone that has the same musical taste as them. And that's sort of what they want. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and when you can find a director who can, who can interlay that music into the movie so well, it, it not only shows that they, their capability as a director, but it, it just, it just elevates the movie to a whole nother level. I mean, and I think every movie that we've mentioned so far from singles, you know, everything that we've mentioned so far, I, I think has been a prime example of that. The music has just elevated the movie. I mean, that's one of the reasons why we're putting them in our top five. It's right. I mean, it, it's not just, you know, like a, a compilation album. Like this is they're they're on our list because they not only are great music, but they elevate the movie that they're a part of. So, um, Cool. So that takes us into our top two for each of us. I'm really interested to see where they're going to go. And I have mine's a little bit of a cheat, but you're up next. So what have you got for your number two? Well, I want to I want to say a story about my number two. It's funny. Sure. My, friend, my friend stole this CD from me. OK, my roommate from college was named Bennett Lowe. He was from Hong Kong and he turned us on to the best music. Like, you know, I didn't know New Order and stuff like that. And I remember when Roxy Music, uh, Brian Ferry's Street Life came out. We were at, he was living in Philly at the time. We graduated college. And it was on sale at Tower Records. There's, I don't know if it's still on South Street. There's a Tower Records. And I remember I went and we both saw it. He was little. He was, he was like 5'2", five 5'3". Five and, and we saw there was one album left, one CD of the Roxy Music. And I was bigger, so I got it first. So I was all <laughs> Well, then I took this soundtrack to his place a year later when he was living up and he was going to grad school at Rutgers and I never saw it again. And it's, it's a movie. It's, well, first of all, it's from, in my eyes, I'm a big eighties fan. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm 57. I graduated college in 86. I graduated high school in 82. I grew up with that stuff. And, you know, nothing says the eighties with music like John Hughes. I mean, we're going to talk about, you know, someone who was, you know, we talked about John Kapalos. You know, Kapalos had said when he did Breakfast Club, what every actor loved about working with John Hughes was he was one of them. It wasn't someone who was a Coppola or someone who was older. It was someone your age. And Hughes used to find bands because he was a huge music man and find bands. And then he ended up having his own record company. But my choice, and it's it's not Breakfast Club because, you know, my wife's like, oh, why did you say Breakfast Club? I'm like, well, that's one great, one great, great song. I I think I might know where you're going. Okay, what, um, what is it? I, I'm going to take a shot in the dark and say Pretty in Pink. Exactly. Okay, yeah, right. it's a great soundtrack. When you break that down, once again, we talk about the 90s with singles in Seattle. You know, as I said, I have a listing right here. You have New Order. I mean, I'm sorry. If you listen to Shell Shock in headphones and crank it up, it's just the synthesizers going is amazing. And it just, it has the Smiths. I mean, it has psychedelic new, furs. Yeah, and, yeah. Title pretty and pink. It has uh, Suzanne Vega with Joe Jackson, OMD. I mean, in excess. It, it was one of those things that Echo and the Bunnymen, when you may bring on the dancing horses. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's one of those, those CDs that you can just listen to. And once again, it's under 40 minutes because, you know, back in the 80s, you know, CDs, they're also on albums. So they had to have the, 20 you know, under 45 minutes under an hour which always pissed you off if they were over an hour because you had that tdk cassette and you'd be recording it and it wouldn't and to me that's you know dating myself because the 80s were so special to me and you know if you rank john hughes movie pretty in pink i mean some kind of wonderful is better than pretty in pink i mean breakfast clothes better i mean for me at least but for pretty in pink the soundtrack is just killer because every song is great and you can just listen to it and it goes you know, from the peaks to the valleys. And it's just an amazing soundtrack. And I'm glad you brought up John Hughes, too, because I think that's another episode you're going to be coming back on Wilhelm for in the future as well, because I think that was another one that you had requested to do um, when I was talking to people and figuring out what episodes they wanted to do. I'm pretty sure John Hughes was another one yeah. that came up. So just so just talking about Pretty in Pink and the soundtrack and you bringing up what you did about John Hughes makes me excited for when I do have you back on and we talk about John Hughes. But you did bring up something I had absolutely no idea about. I had no idea John Hughes had his own record label. Yeah, he went on because he would discover bands. You know, he was he was so immersed. Well, he was so into Chicago. 
you know, that's where he was from. Mm-hmm. And he was, you know, he would scout bands, but he would just, he loved music. And when he had the opportunity, he went and he found bands and he signed into a label because there was these bands that he loved and, you know, or they may have got a crap deal, which everyone did from the record companies. And he would just really go after these bands because for him, it was such a amazing part of the movie. I mean, as I said, with Breakfast Club, you know, Don't You Forget About Me, that song is synonymous with the 80s. Everyone says, you know, what, what song reminds you of the 80s? And you think, well, you know, Pretty in Pink is great. But everyone remembers the Breakfast Club because that was more impactful. It came out before and it ends the movie. You know, Pretty in Pink ends the movie. But yet when you have a song with a title... And the first did a different version for Pretty and Pink than their original version, because the original version is more more harder edge, a little more punky than this one. This one's more, you know, refined. Yeah. I mean, and when, and when you talk about soundtracks to these movies as well, like when you look at the movies themselves, I personally would probably put Breakfast Club above Pretty and Pink oh. when it comes to my listing of favorite John Hughes films. But when you look at the soundtracks to those films, Pretty in Pink definitely stands out more than Breakfast Club, because as you mentioned, Don't You Forget About Me by Simple Minds is, you're right, it's synonymous with the 80s. Everybody thinks of that song. Everybody knows that song because of the Breakfast Club. But when you look at the soundtrack, that's really maybe only one of, what, two or three songs that people recognize from that soundtrack. But when you look at Pretty in Pink, there are so many more songs that are recognizable from that soundtrack. So I, yeah, I, I didn't have break bands in America because you know a lot of these bands, you know, people weren't really familiar with New Order. I mean, if you were hip into music, it was, but mm-hmm. people sat there and was like, well, you know, and people only knew Suzanne Vega. I don't know if that was before or after Luca, and you know, Joe Jackson sing from that, and then Excess. They're they're all starting to get bigger, but then they just became really big, and it was um, yeah, the soundtrack for that I can just listen to over and over. Yeah, it just it just has more more songs that you that you know than than just the breakfast club so uh, yeah when i did my top five i kind of tried to stay away from soundtracks where there was one maybe two songs that were popular i went more with more full soundtracks where there were more recognizable songs than just one or two so i mean if i just went with more popular music then breakfast club could have been in my top five but um no i had a feeling when you were talking about john hughes because pretty in pink is just to me, soundtrack-wise for John Fuse films, that's that's the one. That's the go-to. So uh, my number two, as I mentioned, is is a little bit of a cheat uh, because it is a, it is technically the soundtrack to a film, but it was also an official released album of this, this group. Uh, I myself am a huge Beatles fan. I still listen to the Beatles constantly. My number five is Help from 1965. Uh, I believe it was 1965. Uh, yep, 1965. Only 14 songs on the soundtrack, but you know, you have a movie soundtrack where the song, every song in the movie was done by one group, and that was the Beatles because they were the stars of the show. They were the band that was that put together the music. And you look at a lot of the track listing, obviously, Help, which is the, the title of the film, um, Ticket to Ride, uh, You Gotta Hide Your Love Away, Act Naturally, Yesterday. So many great Beatles songs and a lot of and, and quite a few Beatles songs that people may not know if they don't listen to full albums of the Beatles and stay away from just the hits. You know, listen to a lot of those B-sides because there's quite a few of them on the soundtrack to this film. You, you know, it's funny when you say that and you think about that and, and you don't do as much anymore, but you're like, you can say help or you can say Quadrophenia by The Who. Mm-hmm. You know, these some of these groups would put out a movie specifically on their song now given tommy was an opera you know but it's something that people forget that you know and it's funny i mean i like the beatles i'm not a giant beatles fan i have friends who are giants beatles fan i love them you know i mean i'll sit there and i'll listen to them and it's just amazing when you break them down you think you know from help and then the soundtrack to that to years later how the music changed and it's something where i forget what the number is but the amount of studio albums they released was not that many when you sit there and go this is noticeably one of the best groups of all time and it wasn't like they had you know like i'm a big springsteen fan he has like 40 albums you know i think what the beatles did maybe you know i think in like a few years they released all these albums and then they were gone 
Yeah, I'm I'm trying to look because you're right. I mean, when you look at the discography of the Beatles, there are um yeah, it's it's 13 studio albums and that's it. You know, 13 studio albums, one compilation, and that and but you know, even looking at two of those studio albums, two of those studio albums were technically movie soundtracks at the same time. You had help and you had a hard day's night. You know, they were also the soundtracks to those films, so they were able to you know, use them kind of doubly as both a soundtrack and a studio album. Uh, yeah, I mean, granted, it's it's a great idea to use a studio album and then kind of promote it by making it the soundtrack of a film that you're starring in, because now you've got more people hearing that music than just buying an album and listening to it. Now you kind of drive people to hear the music in the movie first and then go buy the soundtrack because they enjoyed the music. But you're right. I mean, you look at a, a, a group like the Beatles, that's as large as they are and as influential as they are. I I didn't even really realize that until you just brought it up that th there's only 13 albums. Yeah, and a bunch of them were like in a matter of three years. I mean, the, the later ones like Sgt. Pepper and stuff like that. It wasn't I mean, back then bands were popping out albums every six to eight months. I mean, it wasn't like now it takes two years, three years. They had a high, high turnover i mean it's a matter of you know ccr i've interviewed both Stu cook and cosmo clipper from that band they sat there and it was amazing the the, the product they churn out i mean it was something that you're like now you know and every song was good on these albums now it's like someone comes out you don't hear people coming out with albums every eight months nine months a year you know now people really don't come out with albums anyway but it's a matter of it was just something that it was a different time. And yeah, the Beatles were just very prolific at what they did. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm looking. I mean, there's definitely a lot of Beatles albums, but as far as studio albums go, yeah, only 13 studio albums, number of live albums, a lot of compilation albums, uh, you know, which is just re-releases of the same music. You know, collection of Beatles oldies, greatest hits volume one, greatest hits volume two, Beatles in Italy. I mean, it's basically live and a majority of their discography is made up of live albums and compilation albums. Right. And that's because they broke up and the companies can make money. Yeah. I didn't even really put that much thought into that. And it's kind of interesting to, to kind of see that. So well, that brings us to our number one. Uh, and I'm really curious because you've brought up four great out five technically because you had a tie for number five, but still uh, five great albums so far. Where does that take you? What what film falls in your number one spot? Ernest Saves Christmas. Great soundtrack was Jim Varney belting out. Jingle bells, Jim Barney singing jingle bells. Now my um, the best part would have been if that was absolutely true. I know you'd be like, "What the hell is wrong?" <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I want to have Steve on this podcast anymore. <laughs> <laughs> this, this is hard when you're saying number one. As I said, everything's so subjective, and I was, I was wasn't sure, and then I forgot that there was a second album that came out with this. And that being said, and I can go down some of the list because I have some stories about some of these bands who've been on my show. I happen to be, as I said, a huge 80s fan. Mm -hmm. And when you're talking 80s music, not an 80s movie, but a movie that's based in the 80s and has 80s music, I have to go with The Wedding Singer. Oh, my God. It's fantastic soundtrack. There's really great soundtrack. Yeah, I'm going over it. It's so funny. Like, I look at this, you know, and there's two albums they have that have almost every great 80s song and then the music that wasn't in it a funny story about that movie when i lived in la i was in a really 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 bad movie and so you can actually find it on tubi and it was shot digital and it was like back before people were shooting digital this must have been whatever years ago and it was called killer drag queens on dope okay and the one i played tony and my partner was my we were thugs was anthony who he was in billy madison he played one of adam uh sandler's friends but the main star who ended up beating me up in a scene and kicking me was alexis the late alexis arquette okay she was played boy george in the wedding singer mm -hmm. so that was just interesting when i saw that movie but yeah you go down this you know the whole list i mean Kajagugu, Spandau Ballet, you know, Lamal's been on my show. You know, he's uh, lives in London now. You know, he's talked about 
you know, how big that song was and Spend Out Ballet, both true. I mean, one of the best songs, Gary Kemp, who wrote that, was on my show. And then I just recently had Tony Hadley, who sang it, and they don't talk and they'll never get back together. They neither would go into the exact reason why. But I look at these songs and they all just, I mean, B-52s, Dead or Alive, Musical Youth, Psychedelic Furs Again, The Smiths, Culture Club, uh, Video Killed the Radio Star by the Buggles, but done by the Presidents of the United States of America, which I've had Chris Ballou from that band on, and I've had Jeff Downs on from the Buggles. So when I looked at it, it's it always enhances it when you know people who have contributed to the soundtrack. And as I said, as an 80s fan, all the top 80s bands, I mean, you know, you bring it up, the, the groups that aren't on the soundtrack, there's 99 Luck Bazook Balloons, Derek Karmazar, I mean, Hungry Heart by Springsteen, Lionel Richie, Boys Don't Cry by The Cure, Don't Stop Believing. Yeah. It's like the whole, that encapsulate the whole, the whole generation. And then then Billy Idol shows up in the movie. But it's just, uh, yeah, so when I was, when we were going over this, I was thinking, what is going to be the number one? And you sit there and you go, you know, what really impacts me? And the movie was good. It wasn't like it was a great movie. It was good. But the music is just phenomenal if you like the 80s i mean you know if you put on first wave on sirius you're gonna hear basically this soundtrack and it's two albums even the miami vice themes in it you know which miami vice you'd be talking about soundtracks not movies but a tv is the best ever i mean can't be touched but that's why that was my number one that's a great pick for number one too and it kind of like i'm i'm shaking my head because i I'm not even I don't even know why that one didn't even come up in my mind when I was thinking it, because it is a phenomenal soundtrack. And it's one of those ones, too, like you mentioned, like The Wedding Singer is not a great movie, but it's if I if I'm watching an Adam Sandler movie, like if I want to watch an Adam Sandler movie, which let's let's face it, sometimes I question why that urge happens. Um, If I do feel that urge to watch an Adam Sandler movie, Wedding Singer is usually my go to. And I think it probably is because of the soundtrack it's not because of the movie itself i mean the movie's fun don't get me wrong but you're right the soundtrack just elevates that film it's just it's so much fun to watch that movie because of the soundtrack and you know you forget you know one of the things that adds to the soundtrack is when you have that old lady singing rappers rappers delight at the end yes so you're taking a song and all of a sudden you're sitting there going and it's a great song and it was a groundbreaking song in the rap community and all of a sudden you have this old lady and she's not missing a beat and you go, okay, I get it now. That's what an Adam Sandler movie is. It's goofy, clean, fun, but the soundtrack is phenomenal. And even love stinks when he sings love stinks and he sings it at the, at the wedding. And it's just, they, they picked the right songs and, and they're just, it's top to bottom, a phenomenal soundtrack. And I'll tell you too, like this is kind of tied in. And if, if, um, obviously we're talking about film soundtracks and not television. Uh, but you know, you being a huge fan of the eighties, I don't know if it's something tells me that you've probably had a, a cast member or two on your program at some point. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, the television show, the Goldbergs did a tie in with the wedding singer in an episode where they brought in, they brought John Lovitz back to reprise his character that he played in the wedding singer. Uh, and, that's another one that I kind of tie into the wedding singer because the soundtrack to the Goldbergs, like I, I love that show so much for the music that I legitimately have a playlist on Amazon music. That is nothing but songs that have been used in the Goldbergs. Every time an episode airs, I go to a website to see what songs were in that episode. And I add them to that playlist. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll be honest, you know, and that's one great thing about, TV, I mean, about the internet, you can find what songs have been in, like, what was it, uh, Five Oaks, Three Oaks, I forget, well, the one on uh, Amazon about the country club in, in South, in North Jersey, um, Red Oaks, I could check, which took place in the 80s, I could check the songs, and the thing is, you know, for me, luckily, my watch the Goldbergs, I... I know the songs. I know mm-hmm. right off the bat because it's part of my thing. And yeah, I mean, for me growing up in Cherry Hill and in the 80s, I mean, the Goldbergs has home. And then the, I haven't, I've had, you know, Stephen Tobolowski on the show. Um, uh, Mindy yeah, I, I've, I've had David Koechner, who's who's on the show on my on my program. So, yeah, I mean. And Lou Schneider, who's a, a director at it and a writer. 
And it's pretty amazing because he was on Everyone Loves Raymond and he just took the Goldbergs when it came out because he needed a job and he just became the director. But, you know, they 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 frame that they do frame the music on that. Just it's really good. And even when the girl sings it, because she's got a very good voice, the Hallie, whatever her name is, um, or Chantier, she does a good job, too. And it's just you're right. That's one of those things that is like the wedding singer. But for me, the content of the Goldbergs is higher and better written than the wedding singer. Oh, I agree completely. Yeah. I mean, it's one of the reasons why I still I I still watch the show. I mean. Because the show, the content of the show is is fantastic, and I'm 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 similar to you where I know, I hear the songs that they use in Goldberg's, and ninety percent of them I know, but there are still you know, I and that's one of the things I love about being a fan of music and especially listening to older music is I still like it when I'm introduced to music I've never heard before. And the Goldberg still does that for me occasionally. Every once in a while there'll be an eighty song that pops up that I'll be like I'm I'm not familiar with this song and then it gets added to my playlist and it becomes part of my, it becomes part of my cycle and I get to hear it. So what man, I don't know why I didn't think of the wedding singer. That is such a great pick for number one. I thought of it today. I, I, don't know why I, was, you know, I couldn't, I couldn't find my number one. And I went, what's a solid number one for me? Cause all of these are good that I've mentioned. I like all of them. Yeah. But the wedding singer just popped in my mind. I went, Oh my God, the wedding singer. That is, that's such a great one. Well done, sir. Well done. Uh, that brings me to my number one, and this is one that really, when I was putting together this list, this list there was a uh, there was no question in my mind this was my number one. This has been a, a a favorite movie of mine for a while, and it is in part because of the phenomenal soundtrack. Uh, the movie actually goes by two names depending on where you watch it, whether you watch it in the U.S. or in the U.K. Uh, in the U.K., it's the boat that rocked. And in the U.S., it's Pirate Radio. And this is another one. I mean, you've got Friday on My Mind by George, you know, George Young, My Generation, Pete Townsend, Wind Cries Mary, Jimi Hendrix. I mean, this is you're talking about a movie that one tells a story about rebel rock. I mean, this was a time in the U.K. when rock and roll really wasn't supposed to be played on 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 the radio. Uh, and. Not only is this is this movie telling the story of this, but the soundtrack is also telling the story because it's playing the music that wasn't allowed to be played at that time. And when you listen to the soundtrack and you listen to the music that's in this movie, I, I would have hated to live in that time because it's amazing music. Uh, you know, Smokey Robinson, Burt Bacharach. Uh, you know, I'm looking Marvin Gaye, Brian. I think I mentioned Brian Wilson already. Uh, Otis Redding. Uh, Alan Gordon, Cat Stevens, David Bowie. There's just, it, it's it's such an amazing mix. Uh, you know, Easy Beats, Cream, uh, Procol Harum, uh, Whiter Shade of Pale has been a song that has in, been in my top 10 for as long as I can remember, and I don't even know why. When we do when we do honorable mention, I'm going to mention something with Whiter Shades of Pale. Okay. Uh, you know, The Who, The Hollies, Herb Alpert and the Tijuana Brass. It's just... It's a phenomenal soundtrack. And it's one of those ones that, like I said, when it was time came time to put together this list, Pirate Radio was number one. It was it was automatically number one. It's one of those soundtracks that even though I listen to things digitally now, I don't really have physical media anymore. I still have the CD to that movie. And it sits in my car. Because if it just in case at any point I don't have my phone or I can't stream music in my car. I have a copy of it so I can still listen to that soundtrack. Choice. And it is a great movie. You're right. The music is, it's a, it's a phenomenal soundtrack. Yeah. So that was, like I said, that to me was just had to be number one when I got to it. So, but that's a killer list, man, from both from, I, I really enjoyed your, your, your list. That was, I'm still shaking my head at wedding singer. I'm still bothered. I didn't think of it. <laughs> Still bothered I didn't think of it. Uh, but let's bring up some honorable mentions before we uh, we get ready to wrap some up. Because, again, this is a daunting list, uh, a daunting task to narrow this down to just top five. Um, and honorable mentions, we don't have to go into too much detail. It's just fun. I have, I think, uh, I have like five honorable mentions of ones I want to bring up. Uh, so these are ones that we can go through pretty quickly. But what are some of the honorable mentions that you have on your side? Well, it's funny because you said Wider Shades of Pale is also on the soundtrack of The Big Chill. 
Yes, it is. Chill is a great soundtrack, and I believe you can't always get you what you want by the Stones. It's in the in that when it's the funeral, which people don't know, Kevin Costner was a dead body, but you never saw him. You only saw his arm because he originally been written in his flashbacks. So that was one of them because that was one of those things that once again, like pirate radio, and like you know, for timing, you know, like the single soundtrack that took place that hit all those songs that were big then. I mean, after that song came out. I mean, that uh, soundtrack came out, you know, all of a sudden, Heard It Through a Grapevine became a big hit again, which people forgot about. It became a damn raisin commercial. So <laughs> it was things that it was, uh, that was one of mine. Yeah. Oh, that, yeah. I mean, that's a good one, too. Um, uh, you know, along the same note, uh, you know, as singles and such, uh, Days and Confused is to me, another great soundtrack. I mean, you look at, you know, some of the sound listings of that, you have Stranglehold by Ted Nugent, ZZ Top, Alice Cooper, uh, um, another soundtrack featuring Cherry Bomb by The Runaways, uh, Low Rider by War, Black Sabbath, Kiss, Skinner. It's just, and Fox on the Run, which is, that song by Sweet is one of those songs, which actually happens to be on another one of my honorable mentions. And that's one of those songs that when that pops up in my playlist, if I'm in my car, that gets cranked. Well, I just three months ago, I interviewed Andy Scott. I'm going to have to and go back and listen to that. One. You know, I talked to another friend of mine, a podcaster who said, you know, his, he had wears a wig and because he still has that crazy long hair. Mm. And in an interview, he said, yeah, you know, I, I don't wear the tight outfits anymore, but I have my hair and it was his hair. It's, it looks like a wig, but it's not a wig. <laughs> yeah that's one of those songs man that just i don't know what it is about that song i just i crank it every time i hear it every time uh, another one of my other mentions was valley girl oh that's what i'm actually not familiar i mean i know the movie but i'm not i can't think of the soundtrack off the top of my head they had a lot of josie cotton which now she got a lot of crap from the song johnny are you queer she was on my show um she told me that story it had the plim souls million miles away and then it had the song uh, "I Melt with You." I melt with you, you know. I stopped the world. I melt with you. And I interviewed Robbie, the singer, of that, and he said they didn't even know the song was a hit in America. Like for some reason, it got put in the movie, and back then they didn't make a lot of money. But they didn't know until they came over to America how big the song was. And that's another one that really takes it really concentrates on the 80s you know it's got the 80s feel and nick cage is in it and you know and it was one of his first big roles besides birdie and deborah foreman who i interviewed who was great but then she just sort of she was a great interview but she just sort of went a little nutty i think recently mm -hmm. but um that's that was another one of my mentions isn't that funny i mean you mentioned how they didn't even know it was a hit in the u.s uh you know at the time it, it, it's so funny to me to think about that how before the internet uh, there were really two different worlds. I mean, the U.S. and the U.K., there really wasn't as much of a connection as there is. I mean, everybody's connected now because of the Internet. But before the Internet, you're, that was a time where you could have gotten radio play in one country and not another and had no idea about it. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's that's so weird to me. Uh, another one of my honorable mentions, as I mentioned, you know, Fox on the Run by Sweet. Um, I mentioned the first one in my top five, but Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 is another... Uh, great soundtrack. I mean, again, we've got Cat Stevens, Sam Cooke, Fleetwood Mac, uh, ELO with uh, Mr. Blue Sky, which is a great song. It's just another one where, you know, James Gunn did it again, making the sound the, the soundtrack a character in the film, and it worked out just as good. Wasn't as much lightning in the bottle as the first one, because the first one, he, he had done it once already, but he done it, he did it successfully again a second time. Yeah, totally. And it's just interesting that once again, from another one of my mentions is, uh, an 80s movie can't hardly wait oh that's was can't hardly wait 80s or that 90s i think that was 90s was it it's got i guess you know because it closes this is scene with a uh, welcome to the jungle he's playing the air guitar um, yeah. a party, um but maybe i'm pretty i'm pretty sure can't hardly wait i think was 90 96 or 97 maybe right now yeah. ethan Embry was on my show I, I, I pulled him off twitter he was very cool oh that'd be fun he was he was a good guy, but that was one of those soundtracks too that was just really really good. And that's like some of those movies back then they just they really they really went after the soundtrack. I think now it's like movies sometimes try to go really really long before they went the typical two hours and just had a killer soundtrack. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Um, 
I have two more honorable mentions on on my list, and then you know we can finish up with whatever ones you have too. But one of mine is now the movie is not that great, but it's a guilty pleasure of mine. But I absolutely adore the soundtrack because I love the band, and the band does the entire soundtrack, and that is the soundtrack to Maximum Overdrive. I am a big ACDC fan, and ACDC does it is. I mean, it's the soundtrack is basically a greatest hits of ACDC. You, I mean, from for those about the rock, shook me all night long, hell's bells, who made who? Like it's it's basically a greatest hits of ACDC. Can't go wrong with that. Nope, not at all. I don't have any more. So you got to tell me your last one. Oh, um, I one more I have. Uh, again, uh, you know, I'm talking about a soundtrack that's done by one artist, uh, Purple Rain. I was, you know, it's funny. I was driving yesterday. I thought that should be on my list, and you're right. And once again. Because being an 80s person, you know, me and my wife had talked about that. Like, how many times she listened to that? How many times I listened to that? Every bar, you know, you know, Purple Rain, you'd want to get the slow dance song. And, you know, and, you know, really the dearly beloved, we were gathered here. You know, just yeah. that, that's, that is honestly, you know, that, I may have overlooked that on my list. I may have sat there, but it's <laughs> one of those things that it is. I mean, sound, I mean, it, and it just, blew up the scene or if you were living there if you were in that age where at that time it just blew up the music scene i mean prince was just blown up I mean, it was amazing i mean and you don't really i don't think a lot of people realize the influence that prince had in music i mean other than just being a singer and performer himself like the the, the accolades he had as a writer I don't think many people, I mean, if you do a deep dive in Prince, you will realize how many other groups and artists he's touched with his writing in the songs that he's written. That, I mean, it, it would surprise you. Oh, I mean, it wouldn't surprise you or I because we already know about it. But listeners out there who might not know about it and look into it, they might be shocked. Oh, yeah. Yeah. People don't know. But yeah, Suzanne Hopps, you know, Sinead O'Connor, Vanity, yeah. Apollonia. Um, just everyone. And, you know, people always forget, you know, they think of Prince as this little guy that, you know, his songs, but then when you see the uh, guitar gently weaves solo uh, at the George Harrison awards, where he just, he's playing with Tom Petty and Jeff Lynn and Roy Orbison. And, and it just, he plays this guitar solo that just elevates guitar. I mean, great guitar players go, Holy crap. Yeah. That guitar solo. I mean, and you look at the songs on that soundtrack, too, for Purple Rain, obviously, Let's Go Crazy, Purple Rain, I Would Die For You. The one song that still sticks out to me is Darling Nikki, uh, because I remember hearing the cover of Darling Nikki before I heard the original. And then going back and listening to the original, I was like, wow, like this, this song blows me away. You know what? I have one more because it just popped in my head. Yeah, go for it. And it's something that, you know, back then... You know, back then people were like, what? You know, when it came out and it was the ending of an era and actually a song from this, I was married a year and a half ago. A song from this soundtrack was our wedding song. And I don't care if anyone says, oh, that's a stupid soundtrack. But I will tell you, you sit down and put the Saturday Night Fever soundtrack <laughs> and it is amazing. How Deep Is Your Love was this our song, we our wedding song we danced to. And when I look back at, you know, I mean, shit, the Foo Fighters are coming out with a disco album. Yeah. You know, and But every song, I mean, you know, Staying Alive, Night Fever, How Deep Is Your Love, you know, it's just, it's even Disco Inferno, and it's one of those things, it's a timing, and it encapsulates that time with disco. Now, disco died, like, a year later, but it was just one of those things that that also is a soundtrack that people, if you talk to someone over 45 go holy shit that is a really good soundtrack yeah it is, it is a great soundtrack i mean I, I i personally i don't find anything wrong with the bgs i mean i know they get poked fun at uh, uh, quite a bit but i i mean jive talking is on the soundtrack the saturday night fever uh boogie shoes by casey and the sunshine oh, band which great. i is a great song and I, like i actually got to see casey and the sunshine band perform they opened up for dave matthews band and hershey one year and i was like I, I was like a kid, I, like just listening to all that music and having a great time. That is a, that is the weirdest lineup I've ever heard. Casey and Sunshine Man and Dave Matthews. It, it's something that I would never think of. I mean, and it's a great show, but I would yeah. never think, 
Oh yeah, who's going with Dave Matthews? Oh, well, let Casey in his sunshine bag. Can't bring him in. It's Me like, neither. Ooh. And that, like, that's how I was too, because like Dave, I, I'm a huge Dave Matthews band fan. I've seen him over thirty plus times, and I remember going to that show and seeing the bill and being like. Casey and the Sunshine Band is opening for Dave Matthews. I don't know what to think about that, but I like Casey and the Sunshine Band. We'll see how it is. And I loved it. Like it was such a blast seeing them live. And cool. just, you know, that it was it was a great show. But now I don't I don't I don't poke fun at you or have anything. I don't see any problem with Saturday Night Fever. I think Saturday Night Fever is a great uh, a great honorable mention. Great soundtrack uh cool so that this i'm i'm so glad we got so many great soundtracks out there and i know i gotta check out the soundtrack to valley girl because that was one i wasn't too familiar with but i'm definitely gonna go and check out and there's quite a few i'm gonna i i won't lie i'll probably end up listening to the wedding singer at some point in the next couple of days too because <laughs> it's great uh but for all the listeners of wilhelm out there um let's take a couple minutes tell them about cooper talk uh what's the show about uh, where can people find it? Uh, you know, this is your time to, to plug away. Okay. Hey, well, Cooper talk is, uh, I'm doing it for about over 10 years. I have eight, over 860 episodes. It's basically, it's just, I have an organic chat. And I always say it's not an interview show cause I don't interview people. I have a chat and I've gotten, I started in the studio where I would meet all these people. They would come in. I mean, people like Ed Asner, Patrick Fabian's become friends with me. Uh, Willie Garson, all these people that would come in. And then when the studio closed, I started doing musicians. And just luckily, lately, I've had in the last four months, six members of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And I just interviewed little Steven from Springsteen. And yeah, Scottos. And, I, uh, I still that one's in my queue to listen to because Stevie Van Zandt is just he was great. So so you can find that at my website, coopertalk.net, or you can also go to uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Amazon Music. You can say it to Alexa. Alexa played Cooper talking to Will. And uh, so, yeah, I have 860 episodes, over 860 episodes there. I constantly record a lot of great artists. I am bringing back people I've had in the past. I just had Eric Palladino, who's been in a ton of stuff. He was, he was on six years ago. John Kapolos was on seven years ago. He came back, and it's always good to catch up to him. So you can check it out there. Yeah, and that's about it. And my Twitter is at Cooper Talk. Instagram is at Cooper Talk 1. And that's about it. That's where they can find me. I, I highly recommend everybody listening go and check out Cooper Talk. I think you mentioned 800 plus episodes. And you're you're bound to find quite a few that you're that you're interested in. And let me say to. let me say one thing. The reason why I push people to my website is because if you go to my website, there's a picture of the person and a bio. So you may not know who Paul Ben Victor is or Reed Diamond is, but when you see your face, you go. Oh my God, that guy. Yeah. And then, or Brooke Smith, who's just hopefully getting nominated for an Emmy for Big Sky. So when you scroll through and you can scroll through all of them, instead of just looking at a name and going, well, who, who's that? Then you go, oh, wow, the drummer from Blondie, or oh, wow, you know, John Waite. So you see him and they're, so go to the website. That's the best, coopertalk.net. And you can email me, cooper at coopertalk.net. Cool. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I love about your show, uh, your program, is you're very similar to me with, I mean, obviously, you've been doing it much longer than I have. The spotlight I've been doing for about, I'm going into my, this will be my seventh year, you've been doing it for 10, uh, and I only have maybe like 200 and some odd episodes, you have 800, so you're definitely well ahead of me, but one of the things I really enjoy about Cooper Talk is, just like me, I don't treat them as interviews, they're conversations, Um and that tends to open up the, the guest a lot more, too. They're, they tend to open up a lot more and talk a little bit more freely because it doesn't feel like the same questions over and over and over again. And then the actors talk to each other. That's how I get so many guests from referrals because they go, oh, Coop's a really good guy. Go talk to him because I don't, I, don't I don't ask him dirt. I don't want any TMZ stuff. Yeah. But you, I just want to talk to him. And then that's your right. That's how it opens up and they give it an honesty comes out. And you hear stories that, you know, I've heard stories where I'm like, wow. And you know, I, I would never have thought of that or asked that. Yeah. And I've gotten, and I've gotten those in the past too. And, and, you know, one of the things I love about when I do is like, I treat them as conversations, but I do, I, I mean, we'll obviously promote anything they have to promote if they want to promote something. And a lot of times, especially if I have comedians on when they come to town uh, to do their show, oftentimes like nine out of 10 times, I usually get an invite to come to the show so that I can meet them afterwards if I haven't met them already. And a number of times I've been invited backstage after the show to just kind of hang out with them. And that's usually where I get the stories. They're not usually that they don't usually make the podcast. It's usually the stories I get 
afterwards. Oh, I've, I've heard people tell me stuff off air that I cannot ever repeat. Oh, and, I'm sure. No, because after they go, because they find their shots. But yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. And that's one thing I missed when I was getting all these great musicians and no one was touring. So I always got free tickets and backstage. I would take my friends because they're not used to that. For me, I'm used to it. Yeah. But I just want to meet them because I've talked to them and I've gotten to know them because we talked for an hour. Yeah, exactly. And that's how I am too. So that's one of the reasons I really enjoy, I do enjoy Cooper Talk. And I, I recommend anybody out there listening to go check it out as well. Uh, as far as Wilhelm goes, if you like what you hear on this program, be sure to leave me a review of the show on whatever podcasting platform you listen to. The more reviews, obviously, the more people I get to reach. Uh, also, be sure to follow Wilhelm on social media, especially Facebook at facebook.com slash the Wilhelm podcast. And I'm on Instagram and Twitter at the Wilhelm pod. Finally, if you want to be a guest or you have an idea for a topic or theme you want to hear us cover, film franchise, debate, anything at all, uh, you can just message me on any of the places I mentioned, or you can email me directly at the Wilhelm podcast at gmail.com. Steve, I'm, I was excited to have you on. It lived up to everything I was hoping for having you as a guest. Thank you. It was great. I, I love to come back and talk to John Hughes. As I say, you know, I love people that have the same, that are passionate about music and, and they're not, you know, real quick before we go. I, there's so many people and living in Hollywood. I went through this where, People were always like, they can't talk about it. They have to give their opinion on why it's bad. You know, like if you said, oh, it's Saturday Night Fever. Oh, that sucks. It's disco. You don't have that kind of opinion. You're open, you're subjective, and you're knowledgeable. And a lot of times people who have that dismissive don't know crap about the stuff. So, And that's honestly one of the reasons why I wanted to. I mean, obviously, in addition to talking about film, because I am a huge cinephile. I love film. Uh, I love music and such. But one of the main reasons why I wanted to do this podcast was because I wanted to be open to new films that I haven't seen before. I wanted to be introduced to different themes, to different movies that I've never seen. So this is a good opportunity for me to do that, as well as introduce listeners to things they might not have seen before. And I, I think it's a great platform. The feedback has been great so far. And I think this is just going to be another one of those episodes where people are going to be like, yeah, I, I need to go listen to the soundtracks because I'm a fan of that kind of music and I I want to hear even more of it. So, but thank you so much for coming on and being a part of this. Uh, thank you everybody for listening to Wilhelm. And until next time, we'll see you guys around the bend. Take care. 